Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux. I'm here with John. Now, John sent me a very interesting email about a topic that I can't quite believe exists. I've heard rumors of it, but he is here to tell us all what a very real phenomenon is. This is the show that may give you brain cavities. It may give you brain diabetes because John is a self-avowed sugar daddy. Uh, I've basically got that frame correct. Is that right? That is correct. So how does this work? I know that there are websites where you can find, uh, women can find sugar daddies and so on, but um, how, how does it all work? How, lift the lid on this culture. Yeah, I'll start how I, I'll let you know how I started. Approximately, it was 2012. I was dating a girl, she's 45, about approximately 45 years old, and I got tired of her. And I decided to put an ad on, on Craigslist. And I found a girl. And I saw her probably seven, eight times. <clears throat> and beautiful. I mean, at the time I was 53 years old. Beautiful, young, 20-year-old girl, long blonde hair, thin, blue eyes. <clears throat> Something that I would never be able to find at my age in a bar, at least not anymore. And then stop seeing her. Wait, wait. Okay, so let's slow down a little bit at the beginning. So you put an ad on Craigslist. And Correct. what did the ad read and, and what was the... What was the uh, uh, transaction? I don't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, don't remember exact. Yeah. But it was more like uh, <clears throat> uh, girls need assistance, contact me. You know, uh, tall, six foot tall, 185 pounds, white male, looking for a young girl to spend time with. And then when they, we don't, we don't mention price or anything. When I meet them, I make them an offer if they like it, and the offer usually is between 100 and 150 dollars a visit. <clears throat> so, is this not closer to prostitution than sugar daddiness? Just tell me where I'm going astray here. This is exactly prostitution. Oh, okay. So uh, it's just a, a slightly nicer yes. word for a very old profession, right? So it's 100 yeah. 150 bucks a date for them to go out with you, and I assume to have sex with you, oh, and. Yeah. They come, they come to, they either drive to my house or I go pick them up if they don't have a car. Because we're talking between 18 and 26 year old girls. Right. And we're talking about all walks of life. I have met what you call kind of scuzzy ones, but those were very minimal. Most of the girls I've met come from very good families. Ex, I mean, for example, one of the girls that I met, her father owns a very lucrative <clears throat> accounting business. Her mother is a retired gain, excuse a retired <clears throat> Jacksonville University professor. They were paying her tuition. They were paying her <clears throat> sorority seventeen hundred dollars a semester. Coming from Jacksonville to Gainesville to U.S., she attended U.F. and <clears throat> everything. A matter of fact. One time I forgot to pay her. I took her back home. I, when I got home, the money was in the counter. I was giving her 120. She was perfectly pleased with that. I text her. I forgot to pay you. She texts me back. Don't worry about it. That's what that's was one of my first signs realized that it's not about the money. Another girl that I was seeing early in the relationship, <clears throat> she comes here and we're talking in the, in the living room. She gets a phone call. And she answers the phone and I could hear that a, a girl was talking and she says, hi, 
I'm with my sugar daddy right now. I said, uh-oh, this is, this, is, this is not about the money. This, apparently, this is a rite of passage where, <clears throat> where somehow they got this idea. And I've been probably with 30, 40 girls between the ages of 18 and 26. And that's, right now, I'm 60 years old. Of course, I'm in good shape. I'm tall, strong. I exercise. So that, that kind of makes it easier, especially since I'm, in some cases, 10 years older than their father. But sometimes I look on, online, I look at their Facebook account, and I see a picture of their father, and he's nowhere in the shape I'm in. So maybe that makes it easier for them. <clears throat> but <clears throat> one thing that troubles me, uh, for example, I went recently on the site just looking because I'm, I'm all, right now I'm involved with a girl. <clears throat> and I saw, I just did, and one of the one of the ads reads, looking for my Richard Gere, circa 1990. Huh. And that's not the first time I've seen that. I remember that movie. That movie, you know, Vivian, who's played by Julia Roberts, Edward, who's played by Richard Gere. <clears throat> Basically, he picks up a street-walking prostitute, and at the end, she's all joyous and happy because she's going to be his permanent prostitute. And these girls who, when I was a kid and you were a kid, they were interested in Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Rapunzel, the girl from Beauty and the Beast. Now, what they seem to be interested in is being a sugar baby. So I can't understand that. Is that a, because they were vaccinated as kids and, you know, neurotoxins from aluminum and mercury? Or some, many of these girls are, on, are taking Ritalin hmm. and other, other types of medication because they tell me these girls, Adderall, Wellbutin, Wellbutrin, they tell me these girls talk. They have no mouth filter. And um, actually, Stefan, these are beautiful, tall, thin, very attractive, well-spoken girls driving very nice cars, drive, uh, using <clears throat> expensive iPhones. And most of them are not doing it out of necessity. They're doing it because <clears throat> they want the luxury. Some of the girls I met once told me, I'm getting a new iPhone. But what's wrong with your phone? Oh, it's a year old. You know, I'm still using the same phone I've been using for three years. I'm still driving the same car I've been driving for 12 years, and I can afford to buy one cash. And these girls are willing to prostitute themselves to a man old enough to be their grandfather so that they can buy a new iPhone and other luxuries. So I'm kind of puzzled by that. Maybe you can assist to help me understand what, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a very interesting question. <laughs> uh, I would say, though, when did the f idea first strike you to embark on this kind of arrangement? I got tired of my 45-year-old girlfriend when I was 52 years old. <laughs> and I went on the, I went, first I did Craigslist, and then I, for somehow I ran across the Sugar Daddy dating sites, which I know I have at least four of them. And in this area alone, Gainesville, Ocala, Lake City, <coughs> Alachua, there's over 1,200 girls available. And the only thing that prevents some from, one, the only difference between one and the other is their price, but they all have a price. Huh. And do you think <clears throat> that any of them may be addicted to the drugs that they're using and maybe they need money for that? No. Uh, n the drugs that they're using are not illegal drugs. They are 
Ritalin, Adderall, Wilbutin. No, but they may not have prescriptions. They may need to have to get them outside of the prescription system, right? Try to understand the tuition for UF is high. And if they don't go to UF, they go to Santa Fe Community College. And that these girls are not, they don't, I only came across one girl about five years ago who was an ex-heroin addict. I didn't figure it out at once, but she told me that the, the, lump, the, the, the marks she had on her legs were from an addic- uh, allergic reaction to detergent. Then I, and I spoke to some scratching marks that you get what you call, what you call junkies itch. And she had her t- kid taken away from her. And of course I stopped seeing her, but other than the money, I mean, <clears throat> these girls live in nice places. They, they have the ones I've seen that have a dorm room, university dorms, they're very nice rooms, very nice places. They wear nice clothes and their parents, it, it, to me, it's just a rite of passage. It seems to be that they want to be sugar babies. Maybe it's the movie. Uh, maybe it's a movie, Pretty Woman, which is supposed to be a romantic comedy. You know, and what puzzles me is that it was, <coughs> it was, this movie was made by Gary, Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall is the same guy who made Happy Days, Laverne Shirley, Mark and Mindy. And he makes this garbage, which at the time I didn't realize, you know, this movie is kind of like a double-edged sword with me. Good on one side because I'm 60 years old. I'm having sex with 20-year-old girls. But on the other side, I know it's wrong. So, you know, that, I guess that's a battle I have to fight with myself. Were you ever married at any point? Five times. Five times? Mm-hmm. So that would be at many points, not at any point. At many points. My... And what, uh, what happened with your marriages, do you think? Well, <clears throat> I was in the military. My first marriage, I was 21. And basically, I was thinking with the wrong head. And apparently, I still am. And again, divorced, married again. That one lasted the longest. I don't know, lasted about 12 years. And then, again, met a prettier girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, 36 double Ds, dumped her, went with her. And of course, again, found someone else, dumped her. Well, actually, she divorced me. She gave me a taste of my own medicine. She cheated on me. Hmm. So I divorced her. And then I went to Russia and met a girl one year younger than my daughter. At the time, she was 29. She came over. We got married. That lasted a year. She went back. And the reason that went bad is because she was abused, but severely abused by her mother. In Russia, they don't have Department of Children and Families. And, of course, that didn't work out. And then I did the stupid thing of going to Ukraine and met another woman. And that didn't work out either. So right now, I'm just basically, I think I'm just going to stay where I'm at. Why why did they not work out, do you think? Is it just because you're choosing the women based on looks? I think so, yes. That, yes, I think you're, I think you're right, yeah. Because and your parents' marriage, what was that like? My parents, my mother and father got married when they were both 33. My mother at the time was a virgin. It was well known in the family. 
all the sisters were, all her sisters were virgins. But of course, my uncle, how he could roam like, you know, like a horny dog in the neighborhood. But the girls were not allowed. They, she was married at the age of 33 as a virgin in 1957. And they were together until the day he died in 1999. So that's the way it used to be. That's the way it was. And did they have a happy marriage? Yes. I mean, I never saw any really arguments because my mother was very submissive and she just said, oh, you know, I'm doing what your father says. So I never saw any. There was no infidelity by either one of them. There was no violence. I never saw my father strike my mother. I never saw my father use a foul word against my mother. So where I got this behavior, it beats me. But the reason, I mean, I know that my, my behavior is a problem, but what I'm puzzled about is what is going on with society with these girls that they have to resort to prostitution to get the luxuries that they need. Of course, well, I agree. Now, come on. If, if they're luxuries, they don't have to resort to them. But, but they are. No, they are, but there's not a resort then, right? I mean, they're choosing yeah. to, I mean, is it, um, so would you say that you're a good-looking man? Oh, yes. Okay. Do you think that if you... Do you think that your good looks have contributed to the lack of stability in your relationships? Yes. How so? Because I have been... There are times when I've been to bars and women just come up to me. I'm six foot tall, 185 pounds, well-built. I work out even... And women have come up to me and said, you're a good looking guy. I mean, just out of the blue. And I never thought of myself as that because when I was young as a kid, I was a nerd. Hmm. Well, actually, one time a girl came up to me. I was about 18 years old, 17, 18. And she said to me, you know, you're a good looking guy, but you're such an a-hole. <laughs> I started laughing. And that's what it was. I, I didn't know how to communicate with women. But as I got older... I kept my looks and actually working out and getting big arms and small waist and no stomach, which I still don't have. Women still, I go to stores. Today I was at Sam's Club and women are looking at me like, why are these, why are these women looking at me? And I'm still at 60 years old, I'm attractive. And so yes, I, I believe that ha that helps in the sense of finding young girls because I look nothing like their father. And I've seen some of their fathers and they tell me about their fathers. Oh, my father's fat. My father's got a big belly. My father <clears throat> doesn't work out. So maybe that helped Maybe they are associating old with the way their father looks. But I, I you know, I can, under, I have taught, I have with some girls that they have, they're doing it out of necessity. They have a young child and they need the money to buy, to not buy food, because here in Florida, you have the uh, EBT card, which buys them food. But they need money for this, or they need money for that. That I understand. But some of these girls that, I mean, one of them, her father is a air, air, retired air traffic controller. Her mother's a retired airline pilot. Be beautiful house, $700,000 home on, on the beach in Jacksonville. I said, wow. Why is this girl doing this? And what other reason is there? Because she's getting money from her parents. 
So I can't understand why are they doing this? Well, that's something to sort of puzzle over, but I'm still trying to figure out how you went from your parents' stable marriage to you having five failed marriages. I have no idea. I ponder that question sometimes. I, I guess the only the only thing I can think about that comes to mind is just maybe I'm a sex addict or a nymphomaniac. You because mean you I, get tired of having sex with the same woman and you want sort of variety and to go to a new woman? Is that right? Yes, because when I, I remember when I was a kid, I, we used to live in a third-story apartment in another country. And uh, I remember at the age of five, looking down and whistling at girls. Why was I whistling? I have no idea. No. Was now there I, anyone, when you were a child, was there anyone in your life who was kind of a player in the way that you are? My grandfather and my uncle. Go on. My, fa my father told me, uh, my grandparents <clears throat> in Cuba okay, were well off. And my, fa my grandfather was basically had that character. My father told me that he, he nailed every weight, every maid that they had in the house. He told me that at a young age. I also, my uncle, my father's, my, my mother's sister, brother said to me, out there on the street, you have whatever you want. Don't bring it home. And he was married. I think, I believe he got married before my father got married and died a few years ago with the same wife next to him. But he'd had affairs on the side is what he said, oh, right? Oh, yes. I saw that when I used to work with him as his business, I found the letters, I found the pictures, I found the videos, you know, the, the old... But your father didn't, do you think? Oh, my father did not. No. I, if he did, I did not know about it. Never saw that. Right. So you, you kind of had two <laughs> examples, right? So you had your grandfather and your uncle, and then you had your father. Why do you think you took your grandfather and your uncle as your role models rather than your father? I suppose because it was more fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very sexually oriented. For some reason, I, 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 there's, I've been very active in my life. Water ski, snow ski, sail. I used to fly. I've had, I have two airplanes and I don't enjoy those things anymore, but I still enjoy sexual activity. I mean, I, I, I mean, come on. I've been to Siberia to meet a woman. I literally went to Siberia, to Novosibirsk, which is the third largest city in Russia, <laughs> to meet, to be with a woman. So when I see, when I say, when I Think about that. I said, what, what is going on with me? What's going on in my head that I go all the way to the middle of Siberia to be with a woman? And then I went to, to Chelyabinsk, which is a city in the Ural Mountains. And that's where I met my wife, my, my, my fourth wife. So, did, anything, did anything happen in your mid-teens that seemed out of the ordinary? No, no. Actually, you're not the first one to bring it up. My, one of my wives said... You were probably raped when you were young. No, no, you know? I wasn't necessarily thinking that. I was just wondering because, I mean, to my way of thinking, most men go through kind of like a, 
sexually obsessive hound dog phase, sort of early to, like mid-teens to late-teens kind of thing, where you're thinking about it all the time. But, yeah, supposed to, to some degree, bring it to heel and, and find a way to channel it into to other activities and find a sort of stable pair bond, not because you don't like sex, but because, you know, for I guess for some people, uh, sex is better with someone who've been with for a long time, who knows what, what you like and all that. But you have kind of stayed in this place of, I don't want to say shallowness exactly, but it really is judging people by looks, which hasn't worked out for you in terms of marriage, right? Absolutely, yes. I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. But I have a problem. How do I get out of this? Because, like you say, sex is better with someone that you know. Well, what I do in that case is I stay with the girl I'm seeing now who's 18. I've been seeing her since January. And yes, the sex has certainly gotten better, but already I'm starting to get tired of her. Well, but you are um, contributing to the ruination of these women, right? <clears throat> To a certain extent, yes, I believe so. But also, I'm also—I mean, I'm. Some of these girls are not are they don't have a skill yet. They don't have a way of going out and paying their bills. For example, the one I'm seeing now is not in university, is not in college. She was abused by her mother, and she went on the site and I met her. She contacted me. We got together and we've been seeing each other, and I help her out financially with. Help. It pays her rent. I pay her phone bill. And anything else that she needs, I take care of. Other than that, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. Which well, doesn't... no, no, come on. I mean, the, the old argument, if I don't do it, someone else is going to, is not responsible. Yes, because right. you're responsible for your own actions, not what other people do, right? Yes, exactly. You're right. It, it doesn't excuse what I'm doing. You know, like there's a certain amount of, I'm sure you know this, in retail stores, there's a certain amount of what they call shrinkage, which is you know, shoplifting and maybe pilfering by employees and so on. So yes. you don't go into a store and say, well, you know, shop, someone's going to shoplift. It might as well be me, right? I mean, that, that's not a reasonable approach to take for ethics, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Because, like because what's happening with these women is they're being corrupted, right? So they are taking the money, and I'm not stripping them of agency. They're adults, and, and they're, but they're taking the money and... They are reformulating their own sense of identity to be, you know, the thought, right? That, that whore over there. To, to basically be a prostitute. And that is doing, you know, potentially irreparable harm to their capacity to pair bond, to become a good wife and mother, to, to sort of parent the next generation of, of, of kids and so on. So I guess that's my sort of foundational question, that even if you have these impulses, and look... Sexually, sexual attraction to 20-year-old girls is not exactly unknown in the annals of human or male history. I mean, it's peak fertility and so on. But in terms of just caring for your country, your culture, your environment, the future of uh, the West and so on, I mean, these are fairly abstract things, but they're, you know, pretty real. Because if you've, you said you've been with how many of these types of women? Was it 20 or 30? Oh, about between thirty and forty. I'd have to. I'd have to um, look. Okay, well, let's let's just say thirty-five, right? So yes. So if you've paid thirty-five women for sex, then you have really contributed to the ruination of their character and the redefinition of who they are from women to prostitutes. 
And listen, I'm not trying to like make you feel bad or come down hard on you. I'm just sort of pointing out the, the reality of what you have uh, fomented in your environment. Because wh- well, wh- where are these women going to go? Well, what are they going to do in the long run? When, when the looks start to fade and so on, what are they going to do? Are they going to go and I guess, you know, the whole, um, you know, alpha uh, has sex and, and beta pays the bills and so on. I guess they're going to go and find some beta provider. But they're going to really lose their ability mm-hmm. to pair bond when they're being paid for sex. Because sexuality for women is supposed to help them pair bond. It's supposed to help men pair bond too, although the bond seems to be a little weaker among men for sort of biological evolutionary reasons I'm sure we're both aware of. But for women, the more men they have sex with, the less they're able to pair bond. I've referred to it recently as the thousand penis stare. You know, like they've just, they've just had, had way too many turns on the carousel and they can't walk in a straight line down the aisle anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Well, first of all, when you say that you're, you're trying, you're not trying to hurt me, that's a problem. But maybe that's, I don't think it's a problem I have. There's nothing that anyone can say to hurt my feelings. You can call my mother a prostitute, my sister a prostitute, my daughter a prostitute. You can call me gay. Don't care. Don't feel bad that you're going to insult me or hurt my feelings. Maybe that's, maybe that's a, it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's a bad thing. I know that what I'm doing is wrong, <clears throat> but I tend to think, oh, I believe now, many of these girls, because I, I talk to them, I ask them, why are you doing this? <clears throat> and m- most of these girls have had some sort of experience. One girl I met when she was five, her parents got divorced. She went to see her father. Her father started having sex with her. And then he started selling her to his friends. Yeah. He ended up in prison. He ended up in prison for that. <clears throat> I've, I've, heard, I've heard a story like that in my life as well. I've heard a story like that in my life as well when I was much younger, man. And I tell you. And then the woman was like, hey, my father's coming to town. Do you want to do lunch? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> exactly. Like, what are you, crazy? Of course not. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and she actually said, after we had that conversation, she said to me, I guess that's why it's easy for me to do this. So I'm assuming, maybe I'm wrong, that most of these girls are already, have already been broken, damaged. But, but you, not, you're not helping though, right? Pardon me? You're not helping, though. No, I, I, I agree with you. In I fact, uh, if, you require, if you require that pedophiles have broken down the resistance of the women you go out with, that's not a very elevated position, right? No, of course I agree with you. Yes. Yes, but... <clears throat> if, you're, if your dating habits require child rape? <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you, but... Like, it's a pretty but, dark spot on the old dating resume. I'm just pointing that out. Yes, it is. But I am not. I'm not raping children. I'm, and I wouldn't. I, I have no sexual attraction to children. You know, they have to be adults. No, no, no. I, I get that, and I'm, I'm certainly don't mean to insinuate that at all. And, and I fully. That's why I didn't mention that. But in a sense, you're picking up the leftovers from pedophiles. In some cases, yes. Not all of them, at least at least the ones that are so few probably have been maybe three, three of them that I've spoken to that were molested by their parents. But also other others too that I have heard from that were one girl that I met on a dating site and I basically had her in bed this the very within two hours after I met her. I did not pay her. It was free. She told me that she had been sexually molested by her grandfather. And so was her sister. And when she told her mother, her mother didn't believe her until her sister told her the same story. So, I mean, 
What, why, do you, me, why do you think, hang on, man, why do you think she's telling you that? Did she tell you that before or after sex? Uh, after. Why do you think she told you that? I have no idea. I mean, some of these girls just, just, they just, they need someone to talk to, or it, it doesn't, it doesn't ring out with them that maybe I should keep this quiet. No, they, they, I, I think it. I think it's basically, am I any more than a vagina to you? Uh, I try. Some of these girls, I try to get them for them to be more than a vagina for me. They're not interested. Well, no, but if you, if you have sex with them right away, it's a little bit like locking the barn door after the horse has left to say, well, now that I've had your vagina, I'd like you to be more than a vagina, right? That, that's not how it works in sequence, Pretty, right? Exactly. But, I mean, I try because what do I have in common with a 20-year-old girl? Nothing. They listen to different music. They, they watch crap television, you know, you know, Dancing with the Stars or whatever. I watch documentaries like yours, like all the documentaries you've done, and, and I like to learn. These girls are not interested in it. So the only thing that we have in common is that I want, I need the sexual company, and they need the money. Well, so, no, need it. You want the sexual company, and they want the money. Need is a very powerful word to use. You know, like we need oxygen, but <laughs> you can go a week without getting laid, right? Exactly. But here's the thing: they feel that they need the money. They feel that they need, in some cases, they feel that they need that new iPhone, or they feel that they need to buy that new bracelet. No, I, I, I wouldn't agree with you on that. And, and please understand, I'm, I'm not an expert okay. here, so I'll defer to you. But I think that they need to humiliate themselves because that's what happened to them as children and everything else is just an excuse. To, the thing is, uh, based on what I've seen, they don't, they don't humiliate themselves. <clears throat> See, for example, if I was to refer to them as, if I was to say to them, why are you prostituting yourself? They would get upset. But if I say to them, why are you being a sugar baby? Then they don't get upset. They've, they've learned to different, differentiate between prostitute and sugar baby just in words. It's the same thing. But to them is sugar baby. I'm a sugar baby and you're my sugar daddy. In the old school, we say, you're a prostitute and I'm your John. Well, and even the language is kind of creepy, right? Baby and daddy. Yes. But Yee. they don't have a problem with that. They, they don't have a problem with it. They don't have a problem calling me daddy. In or out of the bedroom, they don't have a problem calling me daddy. And, the, and that's what puzzles me. I think we may have already tripped over the explanation for that, though, my friend. What? You mean that I'm older than their grandfather? Or, or their, no, their... that if they were sexually abused by their father. Oh, okay, yes, you're right. Well, in some cases, yes. Then you're some... stepping into those ghastly shoes. <clears throat> yes, some, some of them have, not all of them. Well, how do I, you know? I, well, I, I ask them, I try to have conversations with them. And I watch, now, I don't watch what people say. I watch body language. I can tell when someone's lying based on body language. So <clears throat> I'm well trained in that. I was, I'm ex-military, ex-law enforcement. Yes, I know. I know. Ex hiring, hiring prostitutes, and I was, uh, and I'm ex-law enforcement. I've heard that one before. And <clears throat> the girls 
they just they just open up. They told me things. I mean, for example, I met one girl. <clears throat> I only saw her once. And I asked her, what are you, what were you doing in Virginia? She came down to Florida to be with her mother. She said she worked at a hand job parlor. I said, what? She said, a hand job parlor. She says, guys come in and they pay $200. I get a hundred of that. And in a day I do six to seven hand jobs and I leave with six, $700 cash, cash money. I said, I mean, how, how, why would I feel that I am damaging a girl like that when she's doing hand jobs, jerking off guys one after another in a parlor in Virginia? Isn't this girl already damaged? Well, you know, I mean, uh, it doesn't mean you have to add to it and it doesn't mean you have to participate in it. Of course, she's already damaged. And what you could do, like, I'm just going to lay out a scenario for you. And by the way, don't give me any details, but I'm just kind of curious. Mm -hmm. uh, law enforcement, not the most lucrative position in the world. The military, not the most lucrative position in the world, but you seem to have money coming out of your ears. Uh, did you become an entrepreneur or something after all of this? Uh, I've invested money. Uh, okay. And I've made money. All right. So, you know, one of the things that you could do is instead of paying them for sex, you could pay for them to go to therapy and help them to sort of figure out some of the early traumas and, and resolve and deal with those things so that they could have a better or more normal or more healthy kind of existence where they're not, you know, whoring out their orifices for cash. Well... There have been some girls. Oh, here's the thing. <clears throat> and I wrote this one down because I didn't want to forget it. About three, four years ago, I met a girl. Very nice girl. Very attractive. She came over, paid her money. And I started thinking, Geez, you know, this has to end. I have to. I'm going to tell her, you know, you, you, you should stop being a sugar baby. Actually, I said, you should stop whoring yourself. <clears throat> I texted her that. And. Then I called her on the phone later that night. She was crying. She gave the phone to a lady, identified herself as a Gainesville police officer. I could tell, I could tell by her voice, the way she spoke, that this lady was black, a black woman. And the way that she spoke, she used, she used police officer terms. I said, <clears throat> she said to me, leave her alone. She's an adult. That's what she said to me. Leave her alone. She is a grown woman. She's an adult. She can do with her body whatever she wants. I said, are you condoning prostitution? I said, she said, sir, if you want to file a complaint, please come down to the police station and file a complaint. But leave her alone. She can do with her body as she pleases. Well, this now is that is part of <clears throat> that is part of a lot of the instruction that's floating around for young people these days, this sort of normalization of sex work and it's your body and it's somehow empowering <laughs> to be paid for sex uh, as opposed to degrading and, and uh, a, um, a cheapening of, of the very power and bonding capacity of sexuality. But there is this kind of normalization out there, like who are we to look down at prostitutes? Or It's just my body, my choice, that a woman can choose anything that she wants and it's always empowering no matter what. But I got a question, which popped up earlier, which has really popped up again for me stronger. 
You were in law enforcement. Why are you texting these women about money and prostitution? That's like the worst conceivable way to communicate when it comes to them getting caught or there being evidence. Like texting seems like a very odd thing to do in these kinds of situations. At first, I wasn't texting them. And then they, one of the first things I told them when I met them, I did not text anything. Don't, do not text me anything about money or email anything about money. But some of them did. And I said, we'll talk about it when we meet. And then they started texting more and more. And I realized nobody's listening. I mean, with all the texts, with all the texts that, that I've sent them and they've sent me, no one's listening. Nothing's happening as a result of it. And No, but, but, but for, the, for the girls themselves, if you text about money and, you know, don't be a, a, a prostitute or whatever... I'm just curious why you wouldn't say that face-to-face or at least be on the phone because, you know, texts are storable, searchable, savable. I have. Okay. I have to some of the girls. And so what do they say when you say this is not really a great life for you, choice? They, they get upset. They, they, at sometimes they start tearing up. And I said, okay, I realized, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I brought it up because – it makes you brought up the fact that what they're doing is wrong. It's so it's, funny, like how, how women in particular can switch from this "it's cool" to "it's tragic" like that. You know, like you, hey, I just need a new iPhone. I got a cool sugar daddy. He's paying my bills. Aren't I empowered? And then when you call it by its proper name, it hits them. You know, like a, a exactly a, a shot exactly. in the chest. Exactly. When you call it by its proper name, then they get upset. And I've done that with many of them. Not all of them. But many of them. But then you say, but then you apologize for upsetting them. I'm kind of curious about that. Because I I don't want them to start crying. I'm not not the kind of guy who takes a girl and slaps her around and says, okay, give me anal sex now. I want to know. No, 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 no. I'm I'm calm with them. And if if I hurt them in any way, I say, are you okay? Did I hurt you? I was raised to be, you know, sensitive towards women. But I understand, yes, that's an oxymoron when it comes to my case, because like you say, I am in a way, I I am hurting them, but I try to get them out of it. No, no, I mean, to pay to to get them into it and then to try to get them out of it is a bit of a mixed signal, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But, But some of these girls, I always approach these girls as being trashy. If you're, you know, they're already damaged, they're already broken. Okay, so have sex with them and pay them. And I get something out of it. They get something out of it. But at the same time, once I meet them, I say, well, this is a nice girl. She doesn't lose any, she doesn't use foul language. She's well-spoken. Then I said, you know, you really shouldn't do this. At least I'm trying, I I try sometimes to save a few of them, but they're not interested. They don't want to hear it. They want nothing to do with it. And they want to, and that girl that, that handed the phone to the cop, She's still on the site. I can imagine how many guys she has been in bed with since she saw me five years ago. Well, I mean, beyond hope at that point. I mean, there's no, there's no coming back from that, I think. What, um, I mean, it's an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway just because I'm kind of curious, yes. which is, I mean, if your daughter came to you and said, hey, I've got this great idea for how to make money, uh, I'm going to be a sugar baby, what would you say? Well, it's funny you just say that. Oh, <laughs> my no. Daughter, no, don't my, tell me. My, okay, daughter, my daughter was a stripper. 
Your daughter was a stripper. My daughter was a stripper at a local place called. She worked here for a couple years. While she was doing that, I called her a whore and did not talk to her for about three years. <clears throat> Something happened in her brain. She went to and she got her PhD in pharmacy and is now a licensed state of Florida pharmacist. So she did a turnaround. Whether or not she was being a sugar baby, that she was a model. She modeled here. She modeled in Miami. But she's got hell of looks and a hell of a body and still has. And so <clears throat> something happened. Of course, yes, you're right. If my daughter said, I have an idea. I'm going to be a sugar baby. I say, you can do whatever you want, but don't expect me to have any contact with a prostitute. Certainly not one that is my daughter. And that's how the way I would feel. Well, it's a little tough for you to say, don't expect me to have any contact with the prostitute. Well, with her. Yeah. With her. Yeah. As a prostitute, yes. Because, you know, every woman is some daddy's girl, right? Exactly. exactly. So there's some daddy out there who's kind of mad at you for all of this, right? Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of daddies out there who's kind of mad at me, if they know about it. But I've heard, some of the girls that I've heard from, I would, one of the, I remember one of the girls said to me, I asked, what would your parents think if they knew you were doing this? They said, my parents wouldn't care. They would support me no matter what I do. And based on what I've seen, some parents will support them, huh. which, which is that. You know, so that's, it, that's it, part of the whole post boomer support your kids no matter what. Yes. No limits, no restrictions, no standards, no nothing, right? Yeah, they call it unconditional love. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know. Which is fine when you're a baby, but not when you're older. Some, I, I've seen it. I mean, I do some work where I go, I'm still, <clears throat> I'm, I'm retired, but I still do some, some work at people's homes, repairing appliances. And I see how parents and grandparents treat their kids and their grandchildren. If they're, they can be, they're, hundred pounds over. We're talking about an 18 year old, 16 year old boy who is as tall as me, a hundred pounds overweight. And little Johnny wants a pizza. Grandma gets him a pizza. The rest of the family is eating broccoli and rice and something healthy. But you know, Johnny doesn't like broccoli. Doesn't Johnny doesn't like this. Well, we have to get them this and they do. And it's an appeasement. And then after he eats a pizza, he sits in front of the TV for a couple hours <clears throat> And play video games. These people, these, these are parents that are appeasing their children. And this is the same thing here. Some of these girls say, and I realize, their parents will tolerate anything. What are they going to do? You know, I'm from the old school. I come from the school. You do something wrong like that, you will be disowned by the family like the Amish do. Well, no, I get that. But then how did your daughter end up as a prostitute? No, no, my daughter, well, I guess... Sorry, uh, you're I'm, I apologize. Sorry, I've I'm, I'm got too many words floating around in my brain at the moment. How did your daughter end up as a stripper? My apologies. That, I don't know. Because her mother and I, we split up when she was, when she was <clears throat> I think it was two years old. And I never, I never emphasized that. And her mother certainly never emphasized that. But I did have, <clears throat> she started talking, she started talking about being a stripper when she was 16 years old. And I was, I went to pick her up one time at her house 
And I talk to her mother and say, what is this that her mother, what is this that, 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 that um, is saying about being a stripper? Her mother told me, I don't see anything wrong with that. My aerobics instructor was a stripper up in, and now she's married and has two kids. I said, oh boy, her mother is not telling her not to. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and you know, she's certainly a, intelligent, right? I mean, she got a PhD and all of that. Was, Did uh, she end up getting married, your daughter? No. She doesn't want to get married and she doesn't want to have kids. Oh, yeah, that, that girl is as sharp as a tack. I mean, eight years in pharmacy school, that, anything I ask her about meds, she knows. She's very intelligent hmm. and very athletic. Now, that she got from me. But, I mean, when you say, you said before, what made your daughter become a prostitute? A stripper. Well, no, actually, that's, to me, prostitution is selling yourself for sexual pleasure. If you're dancing naked on top of men, like doing a, a lap dance, which she did, that's prostitution because you're selling yourself for sexual pleasure. Hmm. It doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to have intercourse or oral sex. It, you're selling yourself for sexual pleasure. So yes, I agree with you. She was a prostitute because I called it. I told it to her face. You are a whore. What made her do that? I have no idea. She didn't get it from me. Did you? Were you close to? You split up with her mom oh, when she was two. I mean, how, what was your involvement oh, in her yeah. life going forward? I would pick her up once, twice a week, and we would do things: go water skiing, go snow skiing, sailing. We did many activities. Did she have? Uh, were there any unsavory dudes going through the apartment of your ex-wife or the house? No, no, no. She lived in a very, very suburban home outside of. No, no, but, uh, but in terms of, uh, and if we could skip some of the geographical details, that'd be very helpful. Um, but no, just in terms of, like, did, your, did her mom date a lot uh, after you left? No, after me, her mom remarried and had two other girls. And from what I know, and I know them, because I still keep in contact with her mother, with her mother, they're fine. The girls are fine. They're not, they're not strippers or anything like that. What happened to my daughter? I have no idea. Have you, have you asked her if she has a theory as to why she took that detour? Asked her mother? No, asked your daughter. I talked to her about that a long time ago, and she said it was the money. Because she, she's making $150, $200 a night for two or three hours of work, of dancing naked. Because is an all-nude dance. Because they don't, in the state of Florida, if you're all nude, you cannot serve alcohol. And they don't serve alcohol. And she did. She danced naked. And How long they, did she do that for? About two years. And I know she made a lot of money because I saw the, the, the things that she had, the, the, the computer and the stereo and the designs and the wall paintings and so she was making a lot of money. But thank God she quit that. So I'm trying to sort of figure out this juxtaposition <laughs> between your contempt for your daughter's activities and your wooing of arguably far worse activities on the part of the women you go out with. Well, 
I'm trying to figure that out too. Because it's, you know, it's, it's disgusting to you to the point where you won't talk to your daughter for a couple of years if she's stripping. Now, I know what you're saying. It's the same as prostitution, but it's not quite as bad, obviously, because, you know, there's no STDs, no pregnancy. You're not alone. You're not at risk. A guy can't pull a knife at you. There are bouncers. It's well lit. There's, it's legal, right? So as far as danger goes on any variety of levels, stripping is way safer than being a prostitute, right? Like the girls uh, who come over to see you, you could be some complete psycho. You could be some looking for Mr. Good Bar Nut Job, right? Absolutely. So they're putting themselves at extraordinary levels of risk that your daughter didn't. However unsavory it may be, it's still not the same level of, of risk, exactly. of danger, of, of pregnancy, of STDs and so on. So the level of contempt and, 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 and hatred, I think, that you had for your daughter's activities doesn't seem to gel with me to the fact that you're willing to pay and subsidize and have sex with women who were doing much worse than what your daughter did. Yes. Yes, that's, that, that's, that's what I'm confused about. Well, you I, have I, these two I, categories. Like your daughter's in one category mm-hmm. when she was stripping, but these women who are being prostitutes are in another category completely, and there's no bridge between these two. It's like they're separate species almost. Like, you know, uh, so some people will say, well, I'm fine with eating a cow, but, man, eating a cat would be disgusting. You know, it's like, like you have... These two, these two standards, but they're both applying to the same. Yes. People. Well, actually, I, I considered my daughter to be in the same category when she was stripping, even though what she was doing was not as dangerous as what these girls are doing. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I guess my what confuses me. See, the reason I, I contacted you is because I wanted to know what is going on with society. Why are these girls doing this? Well, one I, of the things that's going on with society is that you're paying for it. So when you create a demand, you enhance the supply. I'm not saying you're causally responsible in the same way as their choices are. But one of the things that's happening in society is that you and, and people like you are willing to pay for these women to have sex with you. And if you weren't, they, they, they wouldn't be doing it. Yes, it's sort of like, well, you're, like you're, you're a drug user saying, well, why are there drugs in society? Well, because you buy them. <laughs> that has one of the things to do with it, right? Exactly. But this is something <clears throat> that <clears throat> was not happening 30, 40, 50 years ago before that to the extent that it's happening now. Do you know that, though? I mean, I don't know for sure. But certainly has nope. become easier with the internet and, and all of that to, to make these exactly. things happen. I, I, I suppose that the reason it wasn't happening that long ago is because <clears throat> back then, if you wanted to advertise for a girl, you had to put it in the paper. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. that was back um, up until the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Then we went to computers. Computers have made it much easier for women to do this kind of thing. Of course, yes, I know. I, women have always done, this is what you call, you know, you, you said it, the oldest profession. Well, and then some might argue, um, I've heard the argument that, you know, bad marriages are not that dissimilar. It's just a more of a permanent arrangement of a woman who doesn't particularly like a man but will stay with him and give him sex because he's giving her resources, that it's kind of a frozen-in-time quasi-prostitute situation and so on, which is a harsh way of putting it, but I can see how it would apply to a small minority of marriages. Yes, well, uh, from my experience, it, is, it applies to a larger minority, a larger <clears throat> amount of marriages. 
because from what I've seen in the couples that I've seen and I've spoken to, they stay in the marriage because they're, you know, they have nowhere to go. Hmm. And he, he buys food for them, for the kids and buys them a diamond ring or earrings. And that's it. And she, he gets what he wants. She gets what she wants. And then there's no communication. There's no, they have nothing in common when he, he goes out with his buddies going fishing or to the bar or hunting. And she doesn't like any of that, so she stays home and takes care of the kids. But they're always together for the sexual part. And basically, I, that is that is what I'm doing. I'm tired of women and arguing with them and not be, having anything in common with them. So basically, I just need a woman for sex. And of course, you know that will eventually end because I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to stop working in that sense pretty soon. You're going to stop what? I'm going to stop. That part is going to stop working eventually. Oh, you mean you won't be able to get it up at some point? Yes. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've heard that uh, you can have uh, great sex up into your pretty much uh, half in the coffin. But anyway, I mean, if you stay fit, you stay healthy, you know, exercise, that certainly gives you your best shot. But I think at some point uh, the sexual demon does begin to relinquish its control over the male personality. Socrates talked about it like a demon had been cast out of his body when he got into his uh, late 60s, early 70s, I think it was. But um, yes, plus you know you lose testosterone too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what 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 do you what do you suggest? Stephanie? No, let me. So as far as what's going on in society, <laughs> this ain't happening in the Muslim world, right? Well, not to this extent. Yeah, I Th mean, obviously amongst maybe some of the super rich, but that's just something to sort of point out. So what's happened in society? <laughs> is that through a combination of birth control and the welfare state and, and just women in general being able to vote for more and more stuff from men, female sexuality has become separated from responsibility. So the way that it worked in the past, of course, is that, you know, you can have sex with a woman in 10 minutes and you can whistle and go on your merry way. But then she's, if she gets pregnant, she's stuck with the baby, she's got a give birth, she's got to breastfeed, the baby's going to be around for 15 years or, or whatever, right? So this imbalance of investment meant that women had to be very responsible and careful about who they slept with. And this is why uh, the, the women withheld sex from men until, you know, they put a ring on it and, and, and there was commitment and it was a public commitment under God in the face of the community. So women, because they have a billion times more investment in kids than men do as far as labor and, and time and attention and calories, they have to be way, way more careful about their sexuality. And women in the West at least used to be the gatekeepers of sex, right? So the man would say, I'd like to have sex. And the woman would say, no, right? And then that, when women held that line, then it actually worked pretty well. But what's happened, of course, as you know, over the past sort of half century or so, is that women have voted for themselves and politicians have offered it to women more and more cover up for bad decisions that they might oh did you you married the one guy okay well you can get a divorce he'll still have to pay you alimony he'll still have to pay you child support and and that's partly because otherwise the woman would stay would stay with the guy and if she knew that she had to stay with the guy she'd more be more careful about picking the guy to begin with also of course if a man is forced to pay a woman alimony and child support, then the children don't get as mad at her for breaking up the marriage because they this is why the whole uh, keep them in the uh, style to which they become accustomed has become the sort of gold standard of, of separation because you don't want to upset the woman too much. 
And so what's happened is women have been evolved to have a very tight control over their sexuality, but because of forced government redistribution, national debts, and, and unfunded liabilities, and the general bribocracy of late democracy, women have had responsibility for sexual activity almost completely detached from, from themselves. And so now, sure, they can go and they can milk their sexuality for money. Why? Well, in the past, if a woman did that, then no man would marry her. She'd be like the Blanche du Bois. She'd be like the town whore. And no man would marry her. So men might try to have sex with her, but no man is going to marry her. So the, one of the things that kept female sexual irresponsibility in check was the consequences, which is, okay, you whore around, no one's going to marry you. Now, if uh, no man married her, what happened? Well, her par- she'd live with her parents. She'd have no life. Her parents might kick her out too. And then she just ends up on this Dickensian spiral down to nothingness. And even if she survives all of that, what's she going to do? Get a job? Well, no one's going to hire her because she's the town whore. And it's too awkward when half the men in town come into the bar or the whatever, right? the, the pharmacy, so to speak. Or... She doesn't get a job. She's kind of broke. And then when she gets old, she's got no money for anything. She's got no retirement. She's got no money to pay for health care. So a woman whores around prior to the welfare state, her life just is a complete disaster. So women, even though they may have wanted to, like men, they grit their teeth and they cross their legs and they wait for the right guy and then they have sex with him. And it may not be the most exciting sex in the world. It may not be the most dangerous sex in the world. It may not be Christian Grey banging her sideways from half a helicopter. But, you know, it is stable and it is productive. And it's kind of the chain link that keeps civilization running generation after generation. So now women can whore around. And what happens? Maybe no guy will marry them, but it doesn't matter because they can just work. And uh, if, if uh, people won't hire them because they've been whoring around, well, it doesn't matter that they can go on welfare. And they can get uh, uh, these EBD cards. Uh, they, can get, uh, they can get free health care. They can get, they can get all their STDs can be treated with the regular old insecticide biplane carpet bombing of their inner systems, which is basically all that modern health is, is able to do with this problem of, of sexual addiction these days. So they don't face any particular financial negative consequences. Let's say, like a, a, a guy who looks at a woman who's been with a lot of guys says, well, you know, your pair bonding is, is broken, so I'm not going to marry you. Now, maybe she can sex bomb him into marrying her, but, and the guy is like, well, it's really risky, uh, it's very dangerous, but she's like, yeah, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, he's still going to force, he's still forced to pay me for, um, uh, for uh, my living expenses, I don't have to have sex with him. Because that was the old, the old deal was the man pays the bills and the woman has sex with him. And I know that that's very reductionist and there's love and there's family and there's kids and all this kind of great stuff in there. And I'm not discounting any of that. I, I live the dream myself. But that was kind of the deal. Now, the woman doesn't have to provide sex. She still gets the money through the family court system. She faces no catastrophe in her life other than sort of vague emotional anxiety. And of course, if that's the problem, as a quarter of a sort of quarter of American women over 40 are on antidepressants. So if taking too many birth control pills when you're younger makes you depressed, you can since when you stop popping the birth control pills, you can just start popping the antidepressants and screw up your brain chemistry that way. So the reality is that why do these women have to check their behavior? Why do they they can want an iPhone, they can want free stuff, they can give 
hand jobs out like they're in a lawnmower starting competition. They can do anything that they want. Why? Because the government's going to catch them when they fall. And the government's going to pay their bills if no man wants to marry them. And the government's going to pay for their health care if they don't have a nest egg or a retirement egg or, or anything like that, right? And then there's no social pressure on them to have kids. Because if a woman wants to have kids and she's responsible, then she would, of course, want to have a good father for her children. She'd want to have a good man around. But society has told women that fathers are unnecessary. And in fact, they're just patriarchs who get in the way, even though the majority of criminals come from single mother households, vastly out of proportion to the proportion of single mother households. So the fact that women are just ridiculously irresponsible when it comes to choosing good men for their children, well, it's not just the welfare state, it's this whole culture that just praises women and praises women and praises women no matter what they do. It's your body, your choice. I support you in whatever you do. It's like, that's ridiculous. And that is infantilizing women to the point of absolute absurdity. Women can be horribly evil. Women can be violent. Women can be destructive. Women can be whores. Women can sleep around. Women can do all kinds of terrible things. Women can destroy civilizations. Women can foment wars. Women... <clears throat> can demand that everyone else pay for their own irresponsibilities. And yes, there are wonderful, nice women out there as well. But this mindless cheerleading of everything that woman does is treating them like toddlers. You know, like when your toddler first learns how to walk, you know this, you've been a dad, right? Still are. When your toddler first learns to walk, you're like, yay, great job, you know? And, and we just keep going, like, no matter what they do. No matter what women do, it's like, yay, great job. Wow, you've become a sex worker. Well, that's empowering. I hope it works out for you. Oh, you've become a prostitute. Wow, I guess it's your body, your choice. Like the policewoman said uh, to you on the phone, just she's, her, she's an adult because she can do what she likes with her body. <clears throat> and there's a certain amount of truth in that, of course, right? But to me, if you want to do what you want with your own body, that's fine, but just don't expect everyone else to pay the bills. But the problem is that the women do whatever they want with their own bodies, and then everyone else has to pay the bills. And that's where this whole notion of equality has just completely fallen down. And I think it's that removal of consequences, removal of responsibility, mindless cheerleading <coughs> has combined... The government safety net. With the government safety net. And that's combined, and it's basically turned women into ultra-men when it comes to sexuality. Listen. If you could bed attractive women and get paid 150 bucks to do so, you know, it'd be pretty damn tempting, right? <laughs> right? I mean, so it's turned women into men because men evolved with hypersexual drives because the consequences of male sexuality were very small relative to women's. So by removing the consequence of female sexuality, the government and the culture has turned women into men. And this is why... Women think that they can have as much sex, consequence-free, as they like. The data says exactly the opposite. And by pretending, by creating this massive artificial system that takes consequences away from female sexuality in the way that consequences have never been particularly strong in male sexuality outside of religion and culture and being forced to marry and all that, but just in evolution, by taking away these consequences and turning women into men, we have no future because female sexuality has been loose from consequences, and that was the bedrock of why we had a culture and why we had a civilization and why we had ethics. And all of these things are falling by the wayside as a result of all of this mess. So basically, you're saying that women have turned as promiscuous as men? Yeah. And now, in your opinion, based on what I've seen on your videos, how, I, 
I'm sure that you believe that we are going to end up in the same toilet as Rome. What do you think? Well, I don't like the end up in because I like to think that I and others have some sway over what might happen in the future. But without a doubt, a day of reckoning is coming. I mean, you can, you can only hold up an anvil for so long, right? I mean, yeah. we're not statues. We're everything, everything is muscular and everything's held up. It's not like foundations. It's not like a statue. It's not like pillars. Everything is kind of held up with this musculature of massive government spending and resource transfer. Mm -hmm. And that's not lasting. It's not going to last. It's not going to last at all. And whether it's inflation, whether it's an economic crash, whether it's a debt, whether it's <laughs> only people who hold Bitcoin survive, I don't know. But the reality is that um, it, it's not going to last. And then when it doesn't last, when it all comes crashing down, whether it's a hard or a soft landing, mm -hmm. well, people are going to be kind of shocked. And women are going to be like, wait, what? If I sleep around? Wait, if I sleep around, no good man's going to want to be with me. I can't rely on the government to pay off all of my bills. And, oh, that's not, that's not great. I guess I'll have to be nicer. I guess I'll have to lock up the V-bomb and stop using it to level entire civilizations. Well, uh, there was a, there was a, there's a quote that says that civilizations goes through certain stages as in slavery and then abundance, something like that. Oh, is this the one where um, hard Dependency. men make good times, good times make soft men, soft men make hard times? No, th th this was, a, I heard this years ago, is a, 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 a nation goes through certain stages, uh, slavery, abundancy, uh, freedom, I don't remember it, I don't remember what it was. And, and, and now we just, it, we, we just, we can't handle suffering anymore. We can't, we can't stand to see suffering anymore. And when suffering is put in front of us these days, we'll just do anything to make that suffering go away. So when we see sad migrants clawing at a barbed wire fence, oh, open it up, let them in. When we, we, just, we just can't stand. We see people who've made bad decisions, who are poor, who are hungry. Well, oh, we've got to just give them resources from, from the government. And so like, we can't stand to see suffering. And you know what it's like. I mean, you work out, right? If you, if you don't want to suffer, you end up suffering the most of all. Like if, yeah, no, if you don't... No if you don't exercise, and exercise can sometimes be suffering, uh, if you don't exercise, then you end up with your body as a complete mess, and, and you, you, yeah. you sort of puddle yourself into an early grave. So we have no longer the capacity to look at suffering and say, yeah, you know, you shouldn't have made those decisions. You know, like you, you didn't save your money. Your house got robbed. Uh, well, um, no, you should not get disaster and relief insurance. Like you didn't, you, you didn't prepare. You didn't like, that's too bad. You know, like this, you, you, your life is going to serve as a warning to others. And we well, just can't stand that anymore. So, oh, you became a single mom. Yeah, well, it's going to be real tough to feed your kids. So maybe you should give your baby up for adoption so that it can go to a good home with more responsible people in charge. You know, oh, but the mother would then be crying. It was my baby. It's like, yeah, well, that's the problem with having unprotected sex with guys who don't stick around. And that's why you shouldn't do it because it's really painful. And so we've yeah. just, we've, we've anesthetized ourselves to all pain. And that means that we're going to suffer the most of all. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm a strong believer in an old saying I learned years ago. People don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Oh, and I had a good one in business, too, when people would come running to me with some emergency, and I would say, a failure to plan on your part does not mean an emergency on my part. <laughs> doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And when people tell me, because, I mean, I basically mirror 
what you say, what I've learned from you. And they just said, you are an unselfish SOB. An unselfish or a selfish? Insensitive SOB. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to be more caring. Well, the reason she's got seven kids and on welfare, and I pay taxes, I got to pay for it. Okay, so let's just conclude with this, this sort of my question, right? Yes, yes. Do you want to be in love again at all? Before you I would die. like to, yes. Would you I'm like to drink like... deep of that well of female affection from a good woman before yes. you die? Yes, I would like to do that. Okay, then you got to stop doing this shit, right? Absolutely. Okay. I agree. Because there's a, there's a price. You, you know, even the gods cannot break this rule that says take what you want, then pay for it, right? So this is, it's satisfying your balls, but it's shredding your conscience, right? Yes. You don't want to... You don't want to pillage a shitty culture. You don't want to pillage government programs. You don't want to pillage the leftovers of pedophiles. I mean, you don't. I get that, you know, they're hot and and it's sexy and all that. But, you know, you're not a kid anymore. I mean, you're 60 years old, right? I mean, it is a little bit of time to to tuck it in and and look for something a bit more substantial, wouldn't you think? It's time to get my head out of my rectum. Sure. I guess you're more flexible than me, but... um, but no, I mean, if, if you do want to uh, fall in love, you know, I, I am sort of concerned, especially if you're listening to this kind of show, my friend, that at some point you're going to have a full unconscious revolt against what it is that you're doing. Yes, I believe so. And you are, of course, to some degree, putting yourself at risk as well. Uh, STDs and um, uh, robbery and blackmail and uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows? So somebody's going to surreptitiously take pictures or videos, uh, hold them to blackmail, put them on the internet. I mean, there is a risky Russian roulette aspect to what it is that you're doing, right? Yes, I, I agree with you. Yes, then yeah, STDs or anything else that can come along. Does your daughter know what you're doing? Do any of your ex-wives know oh, what you're doing? Uh, yeah, my my daughter knows. She knows. How does yes, she know? I, because I, I have a very close relationship with my daughter. Yeah, that might be too close. Well. It she might be a little too close, you know? I understand, but yes, you're right about that. But we've always been we've always been able to talk about sex with each other, you know, as far as um, relationships and stuff. And Wait I don't a minute. Oh, man. Like, Are you telling me you've got no boundaries with your daughter around sexual matters and she became a stripper and you have no idea how or why? No, no this was recently, not, not back oh, then. Oh, okay, okay. This was recently. All right. We never read it. But she's always been very open about that. I mean, she's the kind of girl that and what does she think of this? Half naked in front of me. And I tell her, put some clothes on. So. And what does she that. think of this sugar Pardon daddy me? stuff? Say again? What does she think of this sugar daddy stuff? She doesn't care. She doesn't care? No. This does she think it might do you any harm? Does she think it might be doing these women any harm? No, she's never mentioned anything about it. Does she think that you might be at risk of uh, violence or predation or blackmail or STDs or? Nope. I mean, she does think about it, but she doesn't. She doesn't mention it. Why do you think she doesn't mention it? Because it's kind of an obvious risk, right? Yes, but she. I mean, well, let me let me. Let me now that I remember, yes, she did mention about. I hope you're being careful not to get a disease. And she knows that I'm not going to get anybody pregnant because I had a vasectomy years ago. So that's not an issue there. Hmm. So, yeah. 
So, well, okay, Stefan, I thank you for your conversation. It was a very interesting look into a world I don't know much about, and I certainly appreciate your frankness in these matters, my friend. Well, thank you, Stefan. All right. I appreciate the call, and uh, I guess stay safe out there. I will try. Thank you. Take Take care. care. Bye-bye.